Leading Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. Mystery Hour is your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction that's not ordinarily available anywhere else on your radio dial. Everybody listening to the programme will have questions in their head that need answering. Um, Some of them urgent, some of them less so, all of them interesting, one hopes, some of them silly, many of them serious. The point is, you ring in with your question, 0345 973 and somebody else listening will know the answer. There aren't really any rules. We don't like dullness, but dullness obviously is in the ear of the beholder. And we don't like repetition, but repetition is kind of my lookout rather than yours, although you can check the LBC website for the Mystery Hour archive and find out whether the question that's bubbled up into your brain has been dealt with before. Um, Otherwise, uh, the only other rule is that if you ring in with an answer, you're not allowed to look stuff up. You have to know the answer from the fruits of your learning or the results of your life. It doesn't mean you have to be the Professor of Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton, although Professor Hal Sosobowski, who is the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at Brighton University, is one of the most regular contributors to Mystery Hour. You can actually, when I ask you what your qualifications are for providing the answer you've just provided, you can say something like, I saw it on telly last night, or even, I heard it on Mystery Hour six years ago, and I've got a better memory than you, James, so I remembered it and you didn't. And that is how it works. Um, the number, which you will only ever hear me say when there are phone lines free, is 03456060973. And there's quite a quick turnover here. So Harry and Beth will be working their fingers to the bone on the switchboards. But a lot of people ringing in will have questions that we've dealt with before or questions that possibly don't quite pass the dullness test, um, which will be politely explained to them. And it means that for the first 10 minutes or least, the churn is, is remarkable. So don't give up. OK, keep trying if you fail to get through. Try and try and try again. Tim's in Bristol. Tim, question or answer? Hello. Excellent. On Boris. Um, so I was watching Last of the Mohicans yesterday. Oh, yeah. And uh, not a bad film. Um, but they embraced for a kiss. And I thought, was that disgusting? Because what did, what did they use before toothpaste? Did they use anything? And it also extends to other personal hygiene. <laughs> I imagine. I, 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 well, I there's, two, there's two answers to your question. If everybody stank, you yeah. wouldn't notice. So you could snog away to Good your heart's point. content. Because and, and, your breath would be just as rancid as hers. So you'd right. sort of cancel each other out. I think that was normal. Yes. And the second bit is that they, they, they used to just, they didn't have anything, but you could still have had a brush, couldn't you? That could, your first thing, that could be evolutionary, couldn't it? Because... If, if less, you know, the people that with, with, the, with the better breath... When people started cleaning their teeth, as a result of that, they had yeah. more sex, which means they reproduced more, which means the yeah. teeth... Cl- I don't know that, that, that natural selection quite works like that. I don't think okay. you inherit a teeth-brushing gene. No. Do but you? you might, yeah, but you might... I don't know, is, it na- is bad breath natural? Though? Although if you're born to teeth-brushing parents, you are more likely to be a teeth-brusher yourself. Ergo, there is perhaps an argument for toothpaste being a, yeah. a tool of natural selection. The short answer to your question is, is they used to use um, uh, just kind of cloths and, and yeah. implements without having an actual paste. But they did use salt and oddly charcoal, I think, got and anything mm. that could be oh. an abrasive you could that use as a lovely. toothpaste. Yeah, well, I, Mrs. O'Brien bought some charcoal right. toothpaste the other day. It's ridiculous. I brush my teeth and, and literally everything goes black. I don't quite know how it's supposed to work yeah, or whether I did something right. wrong. But anyway, that's the answer to your question. Not aesthetically pleasing. No. Okay, fair enough. Happy days. Good stuff. Thank All you. Right. On uh, your way. I, and the, on my way. And the, I'm staying here, Tim. But the qualifications are... Um, I think we've done it before. Jamie's in Romford. Jamie, question or answer? Uh, I've got a question. Go on. Uh, I want to know why the three most famous British nursery rhymes all have same tune but different lyrics 
Really? So, for example, uh, ABC, uh, the ABC song, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's not a nursery and rhyme, that's got, the alphabet. I mean, you've got the, uh, it's a nursery rhyme, and you've got Bar Bar Black Sheep, Bar Bar Black Sheep, have you any rules? The same tune again. Yeah. And Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, also the same tune. Yeah. I want to know if there's for any sort of reason or... I like I quite I quite like this question, but I've got a horrible feeling the answer is going to be really quite boring. I think the alphabet was set to the tune of a song that that kids would recognise. So we can cancel the alphabet out from the start. It makes it easier to remember if you just got a nice memorable tune. And it's such a lovely tune that it's not that surprising that two different sets of words have been applied to it. And it's not. I mean, they're not the three most popular ever either, because you've you've completely missed out Humpty Dumpty and Jack and Jill. <laughs> Did you know Humpty Dumpty never used to be an egg? He was a cannon. He was a kid. He was a cannon. He was a gun on the wall of a of a castle. Oh, I read somewhere the other day he was a kid who fell off the wall, but they changed the story to make it more appealing to children. No, it was a, it was a cannon that fell off a wall and and, and 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 got broken, which meant that the all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put the cannon together again. But your your version's probably got some truth in it as well, just a different yeah. different e- e- evolution of a, of a kind of myth. Um, I, I, I like your and I'm just going to leave it on. Why do those three? Uh, rhymes or, 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 or songs all have the same tune. And also, what came first? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I'd be, I'd be amazed if the ABC thing wasn't a result of the other two, uh, yeah, just because the tune yeah. works really well. to the, But I like, and I hadn't noticed, you, you did it. I mean, I'm not going to ask you again, because you'll think that I'm teasing you, but ABC, D, E, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, Bar, Bar, Black Sheep. No, what was the other one? Twinkle, Twinkle. Twinkle, and, and yeah, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, ABC, and Bar Bar Black Sheep. Are you sure Bar Bar Black Sheep is the same as Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? Uh, twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, Bar Bar Black Sheep. Have you any wool? It's not the same at all, you prune. It is. No, it isn't. Yes, sir, free bar, bar Bar hey, Black day, Sheep. Day, have you any wool? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. One for my master. That is nothing like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, Jamie. You've made a complete mug of me on the radio now. I'm sure it is. It's not, but all right, you do Bar Bar Black Sheet, I'll do Twinkle Twinkle Little Star at the same time, and we'll see whether we kind of create a lovely harmony. Ready? On on three, two, three. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, how I wonder what you are. Up. Above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. It's mate, they're not the same. I've got to confess, I don't know the words. <laughs> <laughs> you corpsed. So look, I don't know. So I think the, I think we're getting there in the end. A clever teacher, a clever teacher after Twinkle Twinkle Little Star had become commonplace in the classrooms of Britain, a clever teacher decided to put the alphabet to the tune of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star so that little little rascals like you and me would remember it better. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I don't know why you brought Bar Bar Black Sheep into it, Jamie. It's just the same. It's not the same! It is. is it? We'll see. Twelve twelve is the time. I'm not going to repeat Jamie's question. It's too complicated. But if you can answer it, oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number that you need. Henry's in Yeovil. Henry, question or answer? Question. Oh, Harry, I do apologise. You probably are a Henry, are you originally? No, no, I'm definitely a Harry. All the way, Harry. Harry, all the way I'll through. I'll get it all the way. Question or answer, nearly, Harry? I'm, question, mate. I nearly fell asleep listening to your. Um, very soothing. I'll take that, that as a compl- I'll take that as the compliment it's intended yeah, it to be. Very soothing harmony. 
So um, I thought about this this question on Monday, and yeah. I've resisted the urge to Google it ever since. Oh, yeah. um, but where does the term whistleblower come from? Uh, as in, well, I presume it's the police, isn't it? Well, I didn't know if it was the police or like a safety thing in a factory. Someone blew this. A lot, yeah, you want a definitive answer to that question. I love, I'm glad you didn't look it up because that is, that's a really nice answer, a really nice question. We can speculate all we like, but we want to know exactly why it became a synonym for, for, for someone who was revealing a scandal, someone who was revealing malpractice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like deadline was from the poli- um, from a prison system. There was a line around the prison that was literally the deadline that you'd get shot if you went past. Is that true? So that, uh, from what I've heard, yeah, I've no idea if it's true or not. But you're just showing off sounds, now. I mean, I appreciate it, that's fine. Well, I just sang, good, mate. But... I can't really have a go at you for showing off. <laughs> yeah. But you're just literally dropping knowledge into the into the conversation that has the very vaguest relevance to the question that you ask. Well, I can't really sing you a nursery rhyme, sir. It's all Why I've got. not? Because <laughs> I don't know any. Snowflake. Not, not a father. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but you were once a child. It's a nice question. Origin of the phrase. Why do we? Why do we call a whistleblower a whistleblower? You think it might be the football referee, but I don't, or a police officer, or something else. I like that a lot. Twelve fourteen is the time. Jeanette is in Islington. Question or answer, Jeanette? It's an answer. Carry on. Um, they're Mozart songs. The. The Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is. Twinkle Twinkle. And if you'd have gone to see the show Amadeus, it would have told you all about it. I've seen the film. It's a Mozart song. Yes, but but that's not what he asked. All I know is that it's a Mozart song. You've said it four times now. It doesn't become it doesn't become a better answer to the question the more often that you say it. I mean, why? Oh, it can, no, it kind of does. So it's a really, really famous tune long before it got applied to nursery rhymes or alphabets. Yeah. But Baba Black Sheep's not. Baba Black Sheep's not the, uh, not the I same. I don't think so. I don't know about that one. But I know ABC and Twinkle Twinkle are stemmed from the Mozart tune. And that is... Um, and it said it even in the Amadeus show in yes. the West End. It even mentioned it to say, what, you know, because Mozart he died poor. And he said... Had he not known that it was going to be um, a nursery rhyme, he would have been in joy. So it's a Mozart song. Yes, uh, 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 it's the opening bars of Eine kleine Nacht music. Yeah, maybe. No, it is. No, I mean, it is. I I think Barbar Black Sheep was a red herring, but but in terms of why that is both applied to the alphabet and to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, the answer would be it would have been one of the best-known tunes in the world in the relevant period of history. Round of applause for Jeanette. Qualifications being, you went to see Amadeus, right? I did. I did yeah. very good. I know. It's one of my favourite shows. I didn't get to see that production. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Jamie and I, my partner in duetting a moment ago, possibly we were both right. This is a nice tweet from Ponderful. It says, Humpty Dumpty was based on a cannon, but the nursery rhyme involved a child originally, not an egg. Um, and the tune he's referring to is French, I think. It is. It was arranged by Mozart. It's the opening parts of Eine Nacht music. But it was a French folk song even before that, apparently. So that tune... is definitely not Bar Bar Black Sheep. Mike's in Crawley. Mike, question or answer? Good afternoon, James. I've got a question for you. Carry on, Michael. It's about stinging nettles. Oh, yeah. If you, go out for, if you go out for a walk and you get stung by them, or a sock, and as I do sometimes, and pass them sometimes, or the broadways are overgrown, yes. you get stung, you can always find dock leaves close by. How is that? Yeah, not always, always, but more more often than not, if you get yourself stung, you can find a dock leaf fairly quickly. Yes, that's right. 
and and that you th- I mean what we want is a kind of and we've used the word evolution a lot this hour haven't we but what's the explanation for that why would dock leaves and stinging nettles be in close proximity to each other that's the, that's the one I love it mate I like that question I'm amazed we haven't done it before at which I point I surprise you sometimes well someone yes, yes that's the spirit mate after all these years eh? keep keeping the magic alive <laughs> Find <laughs> out you go, Mike. It's twenty minutes after twelve is the time. We probably have done it before. Short term memory shot to pieces. Uh so we've done that. Deadline origin of the word whistleblower. Uh, you can go further on toothpaste, but I do without being silly, I do think I nailed that. Did I get a round of applause for toothpaste? Can we can we check the tape on that? Did I get my did I I didn't get my well, can I have it now, please? Thank you. Oh, I never get old. And the proximity of dock leaves to stinging nettles. Explain the botanical explanation. I want to get botanical on this one. Brendan's in Adelaide in Australia. Brendan, question or answer? Hi, James. How are you going? I'm pretty good, mate. Yeah. Um, all right. So, numbers. Yeah. Why do we all use the same numbers? How did that come about? We don't. We don't. Well... The vast majority of us do. You mean as opposed to languages, for example? Yeah, languages, letters. Um, you know, we're all quite patriotic about how that works. But, but, but the numbers. Chinese people don't use the same numbers as us, do they? Well, they do, do these they? days. Yeah. Are you sure? Do you get many products from China? Well, if, if they're sending them here, they'll have to use numbers that we can read. But I'm pretty sure the Chinese character for, for a number is not the same as as what we use so no you're right so i think thailand and, and china have their own but i think the, the majority of what they well, use the answer will be own. trade won't it because it with, with i can learn your language and they can coexist two languages so i can do trade with you verbally even though we've raised possibly using different alphabets and different languages but once we're paying each other for stuff we have to have an agreed Language, numerical language. Yeah, but how, my question is, how did that come about? Well, I, I mean, it didn't happen overnight. No, well, trade is probably the answer. Iran, Persian has different numbers. I think, I mean, I, I get the question, and I'm putting it on the board, but I suspect that the answer is going to be incremental, and it will be to do with trade and communication between different civilizations that had different languages and different alphabets, but because they were buying and selling yeah. each other stuff, they had to... They had to agree on numbers at some point. So it became yeah. like a lingua franca, if you like, of, of, of international trade. Mm. Yeah. It must be. But we need well, somebody... I'm glad it's on the board, anyway. It, 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 I'll leave it on the board. What time is it in Adelaide? <laughs> um, it is five to nine. In the, yeah. in, in the night or the morning? Yeah, night. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. Take care. Mind how you go, Brandon. 23 after 12. Why do we... Why, why, we don't know. How am I going to make that question work? Why, why do we mostly know numbers, eh? Something. Cole's in Manchester. Cole, question or answer? Question, please, James. Carry on, Cole. Um, so, because it's quite a peculiar thing to do, who invented the high five? Oh, come off it. What? Well, so, what do you mean it's a peculiar thing to do? Well, I mean... You wouldn't randomly think to go, oh, I'm going to slap my palm against someone else's palm to congratulate. Why is it any weirder than shaking hands? Well, that's also weird. I'm not defending the shaking hands brigade. What? You think shaking hands is weird? So how would you greet people then in the, in, in the, in the, in the independent republic of coal? Uh, I don't think that 
bears speaking. In yeah. Inuit, I don't know whether this is true or not, but when we were growing up, Mum always told us that Inuits, or, or as we called them then, Eskimos, rubbed noses as a, as yes, instead I of kissing. That as well. instead of, that's rather nice. That as well. And you're asking so about high fiving. No, no, you think high fiving yeah. is weird, but you're cool with nose rubbing, you freak. No, I think they're all. I think they're all. Is there any form of physical random. contact? Is there any form of platonic physical contact with, between human beings that you're comfortable with, Cole? I'm comfortable with the wall. I just think they're weird. Fair enough. Um, yeah, all right. Where did the high five start? Probably sport, isn't it? It, it must be sport somewhere. It's probably baseball because they wear those big gloves. Do you think? Yeah, because normally you'd have a hug or something, but one of you's got a massive glove on. Does everyone in baseball have a massive glove? They do, don't yeah, they? Everyone, in, in, everyone's if, got a glove, yeah. So if, if, if usually that would be your left hand if Correct. you're right-handed because you need... So you, everyone's got big gloves on, so they can't do a high 10, which possibly is more logical than a high 5. That's true. So because in baseball they were wearing enormous gloves, they'd do a high 5 with each other to avoid, you know, unseemly glove contact. I hope that's right. But I'll tell you what, the look on Beth's face as she shakes her head means it is almost certainly going to be proved right, and I'll be serving her as a slice of humble pie shortly after the close of today's programme. You're on. Well, yeah, who, inv- who invented the high five? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Cheers, Cole. Waleed's in Nottingham. Waleed, question or answer? Hi, James. It's an uh, answer to the numbers question. Bring it on, Waleed. I think the, so the Indians came up with it and the Arabs adopted it numbers so and then it just spread around the world well yeah but there's a logic behind it so i think if you look for this uh, there's a there's like an infographic that i was shown at arabic school when i was a kid and um if you look at the if you look at the numbers so number one just a straight line one angle yeah you write number two in a certain way two angles three three angles and so on and so forth it's the way um, the original sort of uh, way it was drawn or written. You I can't can, do uh, two. I can't. I can't do two as two angles. I can only do two as three angles. No, hang on. Curvy top. Curvy top. Curvy top. And then with a curvy yeah. top. Yeah. And, and then three, and then it spread got... around the world because of trade. I think we can all agree on yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, Hindu Arabic is, I think, the technical term of the of the numerical system that you describe. And although there are some corners of the world where it isn't the the, the main mode of counting, they will know no. they will know about it because of trade. Yeah, it's the um, I think maybe in uh, Iraqi as well. I think we sort of talk about sort of knowledge that was sort yeah. of spread from uh, Baghdad, sort yeah. of um, in, in the five hundred, six hundred, seven hundreds, and uh, I think the numeric system that we all adopt is a, is a big part of it. Spread through the world. I like it so that you know, so you can't rip each other off. You need to have a, a, a common language in order to keep track of trade. Uh, and you've given us your qualification. So, a round of applause for Walid. Nice one, mate. You're very welcome. 27 after 12. Malcolm's in Hemel Hempstead. Malcolm, question or answer? Answer, James. Carry on, Malcolm. Whistleblower. Oh, yes. Originates from the Victorian Royal Navy. Go on. The bosun's whistle. Why? Well, they used to whistle orders around ships, such as the captain's rounds. Yeah, but what's that that got to do with unveiling or, or, or unmasking corruption and wrongdoing? Um... Because they, they used to give false orders Shut on up. ship. Malcolm, mate. <laughs> Just that even I can tell you're digging now. <laughs> used to give false orders. What are you talking about? You can't be... You've just given me an example of whistles being blown. You have not given me the origin of the phrase whistleblower. But the bosuns were known as uh, whistleblowers. Were they? Mm. 
Yeah, but that's got nothing to do with whistleblowing in the context of this question, which is why do we tell? Why do we call people who unveil corruption, who reveal corruption and wrongdoing, why do we call them whistleblowers? No, no. The original question was, why do we have whistleblowers? No, mate. The original the question. Answer, it was on Monday because we had an actual whistleblower sitting in the studio. We had Shamir Sani who knocked the lid off the Vote Leave story. He was sitting here, and the question around. I've got you bang to rights, Malcolm. You're going to be Dave Mark too for this week's show because you, you, he came on and said, "I thought of this question on Monday," referring directly to the fact that we had a flipping whistleblower sitting in the studio. He was not asking why do we call people who blow whistles whistleblowers, which is the question that you've rung in to answer. Yes. Yes. And the, the, the answer to is we have whistleblowers, which originated from the Victorian Royal Navy. Rubbish. So if I blew a whistle before the Victorian Royal Navy existed, what would I have been called? A, a whistleblower. Yeah, you see? So when did that word become applied to people who were blowing the whistle on wrongdoing? It might be football. Well, I don't know about that. But I think it would be Robert Peel's police being issued with whistles so that they became known as whistle. Something, yes. It's going to be something like that, Malcolm. It's definitely not going yeah, to be but, you. But Robert Peel's um, police were not known as corrupt police, were they? No, but they blew the whistle on criminals. Keep up, Malcolm. <laughs> OK, if you insist. I don't insist. I'm just <laughs> thinking out loud, but you're not having that for no... 19th century bosons. It's coming up to half past 12. I, that last time I tore a strip off someone like that for being dopey, turned out they were right and I was wrong. So stay tuned for my possible I- imminent humiliation. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Just a, a quick return, thanks to the quality of this tweet from E.O. Higgins, the, 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 the writer and comic artist, comic writer. Um, the, the conversation we had in the last hour about why why on earth people would get cross about some students in Manchester deciding that they wanted a different poem on their wall from the Rudyard Kipling one that had been put up there without anyone asking them. And the slightly grim discovery that the, the short answer is people who resent the fact that they can't be racist in public hate the fact that anti-racists are allowed to um, express their feelings publicly. And E.O. Higgins points out a very strong contribution. In my secondary school, he writes... In a tweet to at Mr. James O'B. In my secondary school in Basingstoke in the 1980s, someone drew a penis over a poster of the Eiffel Tower and yet a complete media blackout in the Tory press. It just goes to show. Indeed it does, Mr. Higgins. Indeed it does. What does it go to show? Mm, not sure, but it made me laugh. Carlos is in Wellingborough. Carlos, question or answer? Calimera, James. Calimera, Carlos. Uh, Dicanis. Gala. Um... <laughs> Here's a question, and um, you've got to answer it for me. You could yeah. save my life. Go on, then. If I was with, say, my child, who's, say, six years old, somewhere very high, either on a, a building or somewhere like that, and yeah. he accidentally slipped and fell off. Right. And I, I immediately jumped off this as is, well. This is quite a detailed question, Carlos. Yeah, li- listen, it's a I am. good one. I'm, I'm hanging on your every um, word. So as he's falling, because I'm a lot heavier, I would fall faster, yeah. which would then let me catch him. Right. And then just before I hit the ground, if I threw him upwards, yeah. would that then save him because he would only fall from the height that I threw him up? I mean, do you have any superpowers? What? What, what, to fall? Well, no, I'm just, I just, what, just before I answer your question, I just want to establish the full extent of your physical capabilities, because what you've just undertaken would, 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 would defeat even kind of an Olympian. 
you're falling through midair while yeah. panicking, but you're able to rescue your child as you pass them and throw them in yeah, the air yeah. shortly before the impact at the... So when you rang in and yeah, said, I really hope you can help me, James, because you could save my life, what you really meant was you could help me save someone else's life. Well, I have to know whether I'd need to sacrifice myself or not, whether I waste my time. You, no, you're finished, whatever happens. There's nothing... You, you, you're toast, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't have to jump, I'm saying, but I'm just saying... Well, oh, I see what you mean. Else. So so could you swap yourself for the falling child by using... Yeah. By using the physics. Yeah, that's right. Just before we hit the ground, if I pushed him upwards, yeah. would it then... I mean, would it then... I think, theoretically, you might be onto something, but whether that's why I asked about your superpowers, I wouldn't want you to do it, because I think, in reality, you wouldn't be able to undertake that, that, that manoeuvre. I don't know. I mean, if you're focused... Good point, mate. You know, if I, yeah, if I, I, like if I dived at him... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. In my attitude, we wouldn't have won the war, would we? We need people like you in charge. You're going to jump. You're going to flip in. <laughs> <laughs> jump. Jump. Save the kid. Is it the same question? I think it is. If you're in a lift and it breaks. Yes. It's similar. It's a similar theory. You jump just like before the, the lift Well, hits. the difference is, in the lift, they say keep jumping. So Do they, though? Is that an actual thing? Keep jumping up and down in a lift? Because if you get lucky, you might be just jumping in the air at the point that the lift hits the... Well, I've, I've, I've heard it from other people. Yeah, I have as well. I have as well. So, I mean, it is it's physics. I'll see what I can do for you. Thank you very much. No, you're very welcome. Parakalor, no less. <laughs> 12.38 is the time. Philip's in Wexford. Philip, question or answer? Well, I'd love to answer that one with you there as well. Uh, uh, question. Carry on, Philip. Uh, what keeps me awake at night? Why do the clocks go back six weeks before the winter solstice? But go forward ten weeks after. I don't know. So, who, who picked the days on which the clocks go backwards and forwards? Is the question? Is it? Uh, I don't know. Um, well, it is Scottish farmer, Scottish hill farmers. Will we blame them? Could it could be? I don't know. Well, that's what we need to find out. Why why is it done on those specific days? Are you sure that those specific days aren't more interesting yeah, than you've went, acknowledged? No, no. I went through the calendar there, and, and it, I always noticed that it's bright. So really, here in Ireland, we get very bright evenings, you know, because of yeah. further west. Yeah. On the same time, obviously. Right. But, uh, but there's definitely yeah, nothing yeah. on the calendar. It's not because you've gone for the sol. It's not the longest day or the shortest day or anything like that. Well, it's before the winter solstice, you know. Yeah, but it was, I mean, the solstice would have been established long before clocks. Oh, yes, absolutely, yeah. All right, well, I'll, find, I'll see if I can, why do they go back? Why? It's been the shortest day, you know. Yeah, why do the clocks go back on the days that they do, and, and indeed forward, or, or, or one or the other, or both? Philip, mind how you go. Uh, Anjali is in Stockport. Question or answer, Anjali? Answer. Carry on. Uh, answering Carlos's question. Oh, that was quick. Yeah, he's unlikely to be able to break his son's fall. Don't say that. Carlos is fierce, mate. And yeah, focused. this is the issue, though. Fierce and focused. He, he can do fall this. quicker because he's heavier, but actually falling doesn't depend on mass. I know. I was going to do the old feathers and, and you know... Yeah, it? it all depends on air resistance. And if Carlos is heavier and probably bigger than his six-year-old son... He's going to fall slower. air resistance is he's likely going to, fall to have slower. a bigger effect. All right, then, clever clogs. Let me rephrase Carlos's question slightly so that it, we remove his slightly heroic self-image as sacrificing himself to save his son. And instead, they fell off. He's holding his son on the top of a tower, and they both fell off together with his son in his arms. And then test his theory for me. 
So if they land at the same time because he keeps holding his son, yeah. then there is a force of the Earth back on to um, the object that's fallen. It's called yes. a reaction force back yes. up. Yes. And so effectively you could model Carlos and his son as being the same object. But then he's throwing his son in the air just before impact. Yeah, so if he threw his son in the air just before impact, then the reaction force, which is kind of the force back up on the, um, up on, on the person, yes. would be stronger on Carlos, so his son would feel less of a force because he would have been thrown up, so he wouldn't have the same. And if he landed on Carlos afterwards, Carlos would have absorbed some of that, and his reaction on force the, I think, would to be, be less because he wouldn't have been falling as far. To be technically correct, to, 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 if he landed on the ex-Carlos. Yes, yeah, so if he and landed on Carlos, then he would feel slightly oh, less. I don't want to be because the he would have been thrown up just beforehand. It's the corpse so of Carlos. Of the corpse that would of have Carlos had to be there because he then fl- uh, fell slightly less amount. So could he save his life? Sorry. Could he save his life? He probably could. I mean, I know this is unlikely to happen in reality, but in laboratory conditions, you probably could save the child's life. Yeah, because in theory, depending on when he threw the kid back up the kid might not actually be falling exactly exactly and does that mean that if you do jump in the air as a lift plummets down to the bottom of the lift shaft you could save yourself it depends if you then um yeah i suppose if you kind of if if it hits the ground and then you've jumped up and then yeah then the force that's back on you might not be as much if the lift has already fallen yeah you now have got quite a tough job because i'm i've hung on your every word and you sounded like you really know what you're talking about if i ask you what your qualifications are now and you say something like oh i think we did it at school or it's just common sense james i'm going to be quite cross let's see how we get on angeli what are your qualifications I have a PhD in physics. I've been a physics teacher for six years, and I now teach physics teachers how to teach physics. Yeah, that'll do. I would give you... I don't know how often you listen to the programme. I would give you a Ray Liotta, because your qualification... make my day. But you can't have a Ray Liotta, because on this one, a Ray Liotta could only have gone to someone who had saved the child's life by throwing them in the air shortly ah. before hitting a pavement. Well, that's fair enough. So, <laughs> so yeah, next time. In my, in my mind, I've got a Ray Liotta. <laughs> Halfway to a Ray. 12.43 is the time. I teach physics, teachers physics. It's pretty strong. But the question was not just physics. It was specifics. Anna is in Peckham. Anna, question or answer? Uh, it's going to be an answer to the stingy nettle question what, earlier. Why do they grow? In, why do dock leaves grow in such close proximity to it's, stinging? It's going to be a really, really boring answer. I'll be actually. the judge of that. <laughs> well, actually, um, it's basically just location. They like similar conditions, um, and that's why they're really close together. I mean, they self-seed really, really readily, as all you know, everyone into gardening will know. They get into every nook and cranny. And um, and they just like to grow in similar conditions, and that's why they're next to each other. Um, but Seems they legit. don't really have a sorry. Seems legit. Yeah, it is. And I mean, loads of people think that dock leaves help with stings, and actually, they're both um, quite acidic in, na- in nature. So the only reason why dock leaves help is it is the nearby um, leaf that you can use. It isn't an irritant. Uh, it's cooling, and all you uh, need to do is like rub it on. The so it's chicken and egg then, in a way, because there'll be loads and loads yeah. of leaves that that would have a similarly soothing effect, but they're not going to be nearby because they don't grow in the same conditions. And there's nothing specific to a dock leaf that makes it good at dealing with nettles. It's just the cooling, rubbing yes, exactly. that. So, oh, so so why do dock? So the question really. Do dock leaves have a specific 
benefit on stings? The answer is not really, not more than any other leaf, not but really, that's the big no, one. That's the big mix. leaf that's going to be near yeah. the nettles. Yeah, big leaf, it's cooling. And what it does is if you rub it around in the spots that's going to affect it, it takes the, um, the little hairs out. Um, so you're oh. stimulating the hairs out of your skin. But you could do and that with anything. that's the reason why it helps. I mean, yeah, you could do that with anything, but they're quite quite big, aren't they? And they're nearby. So you can, yeah. yeah and then the, the, why did you say this was boring? This is brilliant. <laughs> that's well, really you know, interesting. Seems to think it's like a myth, you know. Like no, I love it. What are your qualifications? I'm, I'm a horticulturalist, uh, so yeah. Well, well I mean, um, I, I have an allotment. I, am I a horticulturalist? Yeah. How does one become a horticulturalist? Do you have qualifications? Uh, well, I study, yeah, I do. I've done level one, level two in work based horticulture, which means my qualifications are quite practical. Well, so I deal with the everyday uh, kind of problems That'll that people do. face. And so, any yeah. Japanese knotweed at the moment in Peckham? Oh, goodness me, no, Good. no. Keep Actually, it not way. a lot down in the south. Well done. Yeah. well done, Anna. No, no, no houses damaged. <laughs> Perfect stuff. A lovely answer. Well, highly qualified people ringing in today. Quite right, too. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Origin of the phrase whistleblower in the context of, of people um, revealing wrongdoing and... A few others as well. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Well, well, actually, are there any others? Get some more questions on the board before we. Oh, and the the origin of the high five, and who decides when the clocks go back? Why do we do the clock? Because they do it differently in different parts of the world. Apparently, in America, different states do it at different times. It'd be confusing. Gina's in Harlow. Gina, question or answer? Question. Carry on. Um, why are there only four different types of naturally coloured hair? What? So we've only got brunette, blonde, ginger, and I guess grey. Yeah, but there's millions of different shades within all of well, those. Well, there's shades, but you can't, you're never going to be born well, what with colour hair do you like want? green coloured hair. Well, exactly. You can dye it, but why? It's the same with your eyes. There's only a finite number of eyes. It's because it's just genes, isn't it? Genes. Genes. Exactly. So why? Genetics. Because <laughs> it's yeah. like in the cupboard. If you went to your cupboard and you only had beans and spaghetti hoops in there you say well i've only got two types of tin food because there's only two types of tin food in the cupboard so in your genetic cupboard there are only the colors that you've described as for hair and for eyes so how come there's no genetics for us to have purple colored hair it just never happened there was no there was no evolutionary advantage to having purple hair which I find quite interesting as to why though because we obviously have all products to dye and we can change it now but Genetically, we can't have any other different types. I, I, well, I don't know what answer would satisfy you, because, I mean, I hate it. It's, it's like, no, I, I don't mean that in a bad... I just mean it, the answer is pretty close to being because it is. Do you see what yeah. I mean? Or because there are only four. It's the genetic... I don't know that you could make an evolutionary case for hair colour being that relevant, could you? I don't and it's pigmentation as well, so it's linked to the sun a bit. So we all originally would have been dark-haired. Every every human being has their roots in Africa. And as we yeah. progressed north, then the melan melanin, melatonin in our skin, melatonin in our skin became less important because we're not going to burn the further north we go, so the paler we get. And the same thing happened to our hair, I guess. So so it's just it's it's if you start off everybody has black hair, it's never going to end up purple or green. It's just going to end up different shades of black, with white being the absence of blackness. Gingers are a bit of a, of a, a bit of an anomaly. They don't really fit into my theory. <laughs> That's true. So, and how comes that people that could have bleach blonde hair could end up over time just turning quite dark brown hair? 
Well, that's just because the hair's growing out again and replacing the bleached <laughs> hair, isn't it? That's true. Yeah. yeah so. No, I could, I could, I'll do that one for you. I'll leave the question on the board and hopefully a geneticist will ring in. What, what, what is the source of this question, Gina? What has made you wonder about how, is, is, Do you lie awake at night wishing you could grow green hair? Yes, exactly that. I fair, get very bored. Fair, en- no, fair, fair enough. Save you a fortune and an awful lot of time going to the colourist. If you could just sort of... should be a tablet you can take that just makes your hair change colour. Um, I like that question, but if it's got an answer that is a little bit more scientific than I managed, I'd like it even more. 03456060973. Lee is in Leamington Spa. Lee, question or answer? Oh, I have a question for you, James. Carry on. It's about silent films. Oh, yes. I presume that they're not silent by choice. What do I you mean, mean, if they are, that would answer my question. I mean, when you make a silent film, do you choose, or did they choose, to not have sound? Or were they unable to have sound? I, I, presume, it's because it's, I presume it's because they're unable to have sound. That's a really good question. Did we, did we um, manage to record pictures before we recorded sound? Well, I guess that's sort of a general version of what I'm asking, yeah. I think it would have been too difficult to have a sound track running alongside. It would have it, to to get it bang on. It would have looked like an old Bruce Lee movie all the time, wouldn't it? You'd have had yeah, that. but but don't they synchronise films now by you know someone clapping and then they synchronise the, the image of them clapping with the sound of them clapping and then they know everything is in sync. Yeah, they do. Well, so what is the question then? Were, were silent movies silent through choice? Well, and if they, I guess so. But if they couldn't have sound, then why not? Because. Yeah, I mean, now, I think it's generally accepted that recording videos is harder than sound, because... You would have thought you know, so, wouldn't you? But the yeah. sound, sound was recorded on, on, on discs originally, remember? That might have caused problems. Well, also, you'd have had to change the, the record. Change the record? Yeah. It's like me and Brexit. You'd have had to change the record. Um, it's like a hundred times in the course of a film. Yeah, and I mean, like now, it's, it's easy to have a like an audio phone call, but having a video phone call normally requires a bit more technology. And if you, I don't know, you send an email attachment with just sound, the file is generally smaller. Yeah, but you're comparing digital technology to, to analogue, so I don't know how helpful that is. But I, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I will, I'll, leave, I'll get your question up. We've only got five minutes. I hope we get an answer to that. Why, why, why were silent films silent is the question, actually. We got there in the end. 03456060973. Uh, Reese is in Luton. Question or answer, Reese? It's an answer. Carry on, mate. To the whistleblowing. Okay. Um, yeah, I, well, I studied whistleblowing as a part of my job from... Um, uh, I've worked in care most of my life. Okay. And obviously we do a hell of a lot of whistleblowing. And I went on an intense training course um, that basically told us everything there is to know about whistleblowing. And I went into the history, and it actually comes from 19th century police officers. Get in, Yes which is where they used to run down the street blowing their whistles to notify the public that there was a criminal on the run. And that would be it. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful answer. Perfect in its simplicity, but provided by Reese with the fruits of his learning. And, and this, you, you learn this on a whistleblowing course. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, you ask a lot of people that know a little bit about whistleblowing, and they would go straight to the 1960s and 70s with, uh, uh, where there was a guy in, a, in the US called Ralph Nadar, who coined the phrase, which he got from referees, which is probably why your last caller thought it was to do with referees, because that's the most common in the modern term, because it's over the last 50 years that it's actually been hyphenated and then converted into a word. But it actually goes back to the 19th century, where the police would call it whistleblowing when they run down the street to notify the public. Great work. Round of applause for Rhys. Well played, Rhys. 
12.55 is the time. And Charlie is in Chiswick. Charlie, question or answer? It's an answer, mate. Carry on, Charlie. Um, I believe it's a high-five question. Oh, yes. Um, I believe, although it is disputed, that it was invented by a baseball player called Glenn Burke. Get it. Uh, yeah, you've, have you looked it up, Charlie? No, I watched, there's a fantastic, there's a documentary. You know, have you heard of the 30 for 30 documentary? No. It's a, it's a sort of a collection of sports documentaries. Okay. Um, and, and it was in there? And, and it was in the there. reason was linked yeah. to their gloves? I'm, af- I'm afraid it wasn't. I think it what? was just a moment of exuberance. No, it's because of the gloves, um, mate. It's all about the gloves. Giant, they've got giant gloves. gloves on. Of course they're going to have to high-five. Because what else can you probably. do? You've got a big glove on. You can't, you know, you've, got, you've just got to find some way of an exuberant celebration that accommodates your enormous gloves. You're probably right. It was probably an, un- an unsaid fact, that one. Yeah, right, um, possibly. You know. Also, an interesting fact, another interesting one. I'll be the judge of that. Glenn Burke was one of the first openly gay sportsmen in baseball. Shut the front well, door. Yeah. yeah. How, how long ago was that? He came out in 1980. Good Lord. Um, about the same time he was driven out of the game. Oh, um, oh I see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, it, didn't, it didn't end well, unfortunately. Oh, dear. But he oh. did invent the high five. Well, round of applause for Charlie. He got driven out of the game for being gay, but he did invite that. He did invent the high five. Swings and roundabouts. Uh, 12.57 is the time. One more. Ian is in Huntington. Question or answer, Ian? Uh, it's an answer. Um, about the question about uh, why was silent movies silent. Carry on. Um, so I'm quite interested in this, which means this, I'll try and keep my answer short for you, otherwise yeah. it'll be your worst nightmare. You have to. Sheila um, Fogarty's here. You've got 60 seconds before she kicks off. Okay, so recorded sound was invented a long time after photography. So photography, you, you know, we've seen Victorian pictures of uh, 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 photographs and Ooh. sound came in around 1920-ish. Um, sound started on wax. So, so the first problem was how do you record it? So they already had the technology to take photographs. A film is just lots and lots of photographs. Um, the second problem is how do you play it back? So, so decent light had been had been invented again, you know, Victorian era or before with gaslight. But playback of recorded sounds was originally purely acoustic. So, from cylinders and very early record players, mm. you'll have seen the, the big horns. So mm. there was no ele- there was no electric amplification. Oh. So it wasn't. It, so it wasn't until. Firstly, magnetic tape was invented, which allowed recording to be put alongside the celluloid of the film. And you had electronic playback. That you had to have all of those in order to be able to, to record and playback synchronised audio with the film to an audience. What are your qualifications? Uh, I, I used to be a sound engineer a long time ago, and I still have a home studio. That's one of the best answers we've ever had on Mystria. Oh, I love you. Thank first, you. First class, I love you too. Round of applause for you. And he brought us in bang on time as well for, for Sheila Fogarty. So we will do it all again tomorrow morning from 10. The next voice you will hear belongs to the aforementioned Sheila Fogarty. And I can't explain how it gets to your living room, but it does, which is the main thing. Thanks very much to James. If you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.